At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Love dub are the words most often used to describe the sounds of a normal beating heart. But when a swooshing sound is mixed in, the words heart murmur become a part of the conversation. To a doctor, questions arise. Is it an innocent, which means of no danger, uh, murmur? To a doctor, questions arise. Is it an innocent murmur, which means of no danger, or an abnormal murmur, which may be a sign of a pathological condition? Is it a heart valve problem or a structural defect that could lead to real trouble? I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, Chief Population Health Officer for Baptist Health. Here to help us explore this rhythm of life is Dr. Nish Patel. Nish is a leader in our structural heart program and an interventional cardiologist with Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Nish. Thanks, John. So, Nish, very common heart murmurs. You know, kids have it, adolescents have it, but it's certainly part and parcel of the cardiovascular domain. What is a heart murmur when we talk about it? What is the actual murmur and what do we feel it's coming from? So, so the murmur is essentially an abnormal heart sound, uh, which arises uh, because of uh, the blood flowing across the valve. Now, the valve's job is uh, to maintain the unidirectional flow from one chamber to the other chamber. And when there is uh, disruption in that, uh, that's when you hear uh, uh, the murmur. And the murmur, as you mentioned, is a swishing uh, sound, uh, which is heard in between the heart sound, uh, which heart sound is S1, S2. Those are, uh, uh, you know, the most common heart sound. And in between, uh, if you hear an abnormal sound, that's called murmur. Uh, and whenever anybody has a murmur, they should have a cardiology evaluation with a physical examination and later on objective assessment by the echocardiogram so that we can understand that if that murmur is an innocent murmur, which is usually a flow murmur, which you can see it in a young individual also and also in the kids, or if it's a pathologic murmur, which is uh, from a valvular heart disease and valvular heart disease could be because of the blockage of the valve or the leakage of the valve, uh, or uh, sometimes you can have uh, abnormal communication between the two chambers, and that can also create a murmur. So, so that's a great point. So you mentioned a murmur is a noise related to the flow of the heart, of the blood going through the heart, which can be a noise generated by normal flows, but it could also be an early sign of pathology. So you recommend at least an evaluation with a cardiologist to include a good physical exam, as well as maybe an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound, no radiation, relatively inexpensive, to define exactly what is that murmur. And and I couldn't agree more because even people with what turn out to be innocent murmurs, the reassurance that, oh, you have a murmur, doctors will hear it, but it's nothing to be concerned about, really helps. So you talk about a murmur being regard, related to flow, but then you're a structural heart cardiologist and we have a structural heart program. So, so talk a little bit about when we talk about structure, how the murmur or the flow is related to structure. Yeah. So, so there are four heart valve, uh, two on the left side and two on the right side. So uh, the name of those valves uh, on the left side, it's called mitral valve and the aortic valve. So the mitral valve is the valve located between the left upper chamber called left atria and the left lower chamber called the left ventricle. And the aortic valve is the valve located between uh, the left lower chamber called left ventricle and the great artery called aorta. Uh, and on the right side, uh, two of the valve uh, are called tricuspid valve 
and the pulmonic valve. So tricuspid valve is the valve located between the right upper chamber called right atria and the right lower chamber called right ventricle. And similarly, the pulmonic valve is the valve located between the right lower chamber called uh, right ventricle and uh, pulmonary artery. And any uh, you know disturbance of uh, or disease of uh, those valve would uh, create a murmur. And two of the most common condition in the United States are aortic stenosis and the mitral regurgitation. So th those two are the most common valvular heart disease in the United States. Uh, and uh, aortic stenosis is essentially a blockage of the aortic valve, and that happens because of uh, the aging. And sometimes uh, the patients are born with uh, what's called bicuspid aortic valve. So aortic valve uh, has three leaflets. Uh, in layman language, they're called flappers, so three flappers. But sometimes uh, folks are born with two flappers, and they have higher tendency to have a wear and tear in their sixth decade, uh, and uh, they may get uh, some sort of uh, issues with their aortic valve in uh, uh, two decades earlier than uh, folks who would get the aortic stenosis uh, because of uh, the aging itself. Uh, and uh, that happens because the aortic valve is uh, located between uh, two of the most important structures dealing with really high amount of pressure, so there's a wear and tear of that valve. And wherever there's a wear and tear, there's going to be a calcium deposition. And when the calcium deposition restricts the opening of the heart valve, uh, that's when you're going to have the aortic stenosis. Uh, so, so there's obviously many different conditions, and I think uh, in your um, wonderful detailed explanation of the more common ones, it's very clear to say some are related to a structure. In fact, it could be related to some congenital issues, things that people are born with, not all of which become dangerous. Some are age-related. So uh, I... Again, I think one of the benefits of seeing a cardiologist is with the knowledge of what's causing the murmur, with an assessment of one's age and other aspects of their health, it's not just a matter of you don't need something, but we could also kind of anticipate and predict if and when someone might need something done to the valve, if you will. Is that, is that, is that an appropriate way to, uh, to look that's at our a, assessments? That's, that's a great point, uh, John, and, and that's why... You know, whenever a primary care physician hears a murmur uh, in a patient, they should uh, refer the patient to a cardiologist because we can find out if they had uh, some sort of a congenital uh, uh, valve disease, uh, such as bicuspid aortic valve, and we would be able to hear a murmur in the early stage of their disease. And then we can follow them regularly to make sure that identify, uh, you know, in uh, the early stage of uh, their severe stenosis before they get, uh, you know, symptoms or the early stage of symptoms, which is fatigue uh, and difficulty breathing. And sure. we can address them before it, uh, it can impact their heart muscle. So the earlier it's assessed, the earlier it's defined, if it looks like it's developing into something that could become more problematic, the earlier we, we fix it, the better it is for the person, which is, which is a Absolutely. great take home point. Um, can you speak a little bit? So you, you mentioned, so obviously not all murmurs are dangerous. So that's probably the majority. Not all murmurs that have a pathological cause go on to cause problems and need, let's say, surgeries or procedures and stuff. Um, when we have someone that we do find has a valve, we can say maybe aortic and mitral, since they're the most common, what have been the traditional therapies? What have, we, what have been the traditional interventions? And where are we moving uh, in managing those conditions? Um, 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 in a less, let's say, invasive way? Great question. So previously, you know, before a decade, the only option for this kind of valvular heart disease was open heart surgery. So most of this uh, patient, uh, when they had, uh, uh, you know, valvular heart disease, uh, uh, 
they went for open heart surgery and they had valve repair or replacement. But in the last decade or so, uh, you know, we have transcathal therapies available. So uh, aortic stenosis and the mitral regurgitation can be dealt with a catheter-based approach and uh, uh, transcatheter aortic valve replacement and uh, transcatheter edge-to-edge repair uh, are two of the most commonly uh, you know, performed uh, transcatheter procedure to address this to most common valvular heart disease, uh, uh, e.g. aortic stenosis and the mitral regurgitation. And uh, uh, our procedure was FDA approved in 2011 and the, the mitral clip procedure was uh, FDA approved in 2013. And uh, uh, they can be done by a uh, catheter-based approach. So there's no open-heart surgery. There's no incision involved. Uh, uh, we make a puncture in the, the groin area, either in the artery if you're doing the aortic stenosis treatment or in the vein if you're doing the mitral regurgitation treatment. And uh, uh, we do the procedure with the catheter, so uh, no incision. And uh, most of these patients go home the next day and the recovery is, uh, you know, five days or so. So uh, these patients uh, can have the treatment, uh, you know, relatively easy and the recovery is, uh, you know, tremendously fast. And, and again, it's your expertise and, and the great uh, procedural excellence and medical excellence that you bring to the community, as do all the doctors that we work with in Baptist Health's uh, cardiology group in our structural interventional uh, space. So thanks again. Um, last question before just uh, some wrap ups. Um, and again, just thinking uh, from a community standpoint, um, I'm a little bit older than you. So I remember the time when every heart murmur, anyone with a heart murmur required antibiotics in a prophylaxis before a dental procedure, a surgical procedure. Can you speak a little bit about where we're at with that right now and, yeah. and, and how we've uh, become a little bit more, let's say, liberal and not prescribing unnecessary antibiotics? Absolutely. So cardiac murmur itself does not require uh, does not require antibiotic prophylaxis unless if you had uh, you know, uh, congenital heart disease and you had some uh, surgeries done uh, as a kid, uh, then you would require it. And... Let's say if you had a valve replacement uh, done, a bioprosthetic or mechanical uh, valve replacement, then you should uh, get dental prophylaxis. And dental prophylaxis, uh, uh, you know, includes uh, two gram of amoxicillin 30 minutes or one hour before dental procedure, but not all the murmur needs to have uh, dental prophylaxis. Right. And we should also say not for all dental procedures. It's really for, you know, yep. the ones where you expect significant bleeding or, or uh, you know, entry of bacteria into the mouth. So it's okay to still ask your doctor. There are guidelines online. It is a big area of confusion in the medical community and in the community at large. So I appreciate that answer. Well, this is great, Nish. I think the encouraging news is that um, most people with murmurs, it's benign and it's nothing that they need to be concerned about uh, for their lives. Uh, those that do have what we call pathological murmurs, most do not go on to cause conditions of concern. And then most importantly, those that do have the kind of valve problems that uh, you and I and others may think would need uh, an intervention, we are more and more advanced in the ability to fix those valves, even replace them um, without having to do the previous surgeries we used to do, cracking the chest many days in an ICU. The recuperation is, is much better than it was before and more to come in that. So uh, great information, Nish. And again, thanks to you for bringing your, your talents and expertise to South Florida Baptist community. Um, any final thoughts or comments, anything you want to reiterate or something we left out that you might want to let the uh, listeners know? No, I, I think that... Uh, you know, in the future, in the next decade, you're going to have uh, the transcatheter therapies for any valvular heart disease. Uh, 
uh, we just recently had uh, you know a trial uh, published in a New England Journal about uh, the tricuspid regurgitation. So yeah. uh, now there's a therapy that's going to be uh, available uh, to even uh, fix the tricuspid regurgitation, which is leak between uh, uh, the right upper chamber and the right lower chamber. So we're going to have that uh, therapies available, and then uh, there are some trials on horizon which would be able to replace the tricuspid valve and also replace the mitral valve also by the catheter-based approach. Uh, uh, so uh, the future is bright for uh, the patients uh, with the, the valvular heart disease that they don't have to go through an open heart surgery. Uh, again, thank you to uh, you and your commitment. It is a very exciting time. And I will note to the viewers, the Trilumina trial, which Dr. Patel, which Nitsch spoke about, which is now considering catheter procedures for tricuspid valves. We were involved in that trial at Miami Cardiac Vascular Institute, and we did have as subjects who participated as well. So very innovative stuff we're doing. Again, uh, Nish, thank you very much. Much, much appreciated uh, your time and expertise. Thank you, John. Uh, to our listeners, uh, if you like what you've heard on this or any of our other podcasts, please be sure to tell a friend or a family member about us. If you have a comment or a suggestion for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you and thanks for listening. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.